We've been in a series on David and Goliath that we've entitled Battleborn, and we will uh, preach this today, next week, and then we'll, we'll be finished up. The Bible said, the Lord rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, and he'll rescue me from this Philistine, verse 37. Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and stepped and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. And he protested, I can't go in these. Can you all say that out loud? Say, I can't go in these. One more time, everybody. I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream put them into a shepherd's bag. And there's so much there about the stream. There's so much there about the river. And maybe we'll get there next week. Then he armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like the dawn. It's like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. Uh, David said, I can't go in these. I can't go where I'm going in these. And I want to preach from the subject, a dedication to the future. Dedication to the future. Father, speak now in Jesus' name. We just thank you for uh, a personal word for every person in the room. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. Speak, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. And thank you. I'm teasing you, but you're amazing. You're a gift to this church, and we love you so much. You love Jorge. Can you let him know you love him? Love you. Okay, relax. One more note. Just one more. Ding. Just one more. Ding. Okay, good. Okay. Did Johnny learn that song? Uh, <laughs> The, the will of God is not simply movement or busyness. The will of God is forward momentum. You can move and not go anywhere. Or you could move and be going in the wrong direction. So the will of God is not just that you're busy. The will of God is not just that you're moving. The will of God is not just activity. Uh, the will of God is not just that you look like you're doing something. Uh, forgive me for watching the show, but there's a Seinfeld episode where George, he just constantly acts frustrated at work and they all assume he must be really busy because he's just constantly freaking out. Uh, that's not the will of God. And, I, and, and you might just kind of be in a freak out mode, a busy mode, a movement mode, and you think, I guess this means I'm doing something for God. Uh, but friend, just because you're moving, just because you're sweating, just because you're frustrated, just because you're tired, just because you are busy does not mean you are moving in the right direction. The children of Israel settled for walking and wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 
They settled for cycles and circles instead of forward movement. They settled for walking around the mountain. They settled for walking the banks of the Jordan. They settled for the desert when they could have had the promised land. They, they settled for movement, just not forward movement. They settled for busyness. They settled for tiredness, but they never entered into the fullness of what God had for them. Now, don't get, don't get it twisted. The desert is better than Egypt. It just cannot be compared to the promised land. And many of you, you're saved, you're out of Egypt, but you're not inheriting promises yet. You're saved and you're in a desert and you're moving, but you're not moving forward. And the will of God for your life is not just to get you out of Egypt. That's part of it. The will of God for your life is to get you into a land flowing with milk and honey. God does not want you to settle for a almost life. God has something amazing for you in Jesus' name. And I pray that you will not settle for living at the banks of the Jordan, staring at a promise. But in the name of Jesus, I believe it's time to cross over into everything God has for us. Many, though, have settled for a land of just enough, not more than enough. You've settled for manna and quail instead of a land flowing with milk and honey. You've settled for living in tents instead of entering into cities that you did not build, homes that you did not build, vineyards that you did not have to plow, wells that you did not have to dig. You've, you've settled for living in the tent of movement instead of into the promise of forward momentum. Many have settled for deserts instead of promised lands, busyness instead of fruitfulness, <laughs> believing that what has been is good enough. But I believe God is raising up a group of people who are grateful. We're, we're grateful. We're grateful for all the Lord has done, but we are not going to stay there. I'm grateful for all he's done, but I'm pressing into the future that God has for me. I thank God for where I've come from, but I believe that where I am right now is not the end of my story. I believe there is still a path that is getting brighter and brighter in the name of Jesus. Come on, can you say amen to that? Come on, the path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter. We're going from glory to glory. We're going from faith to faith. We're going Psalm 84. We're on a pilgrimage to get to strength to strength. Even think of that kind of terminology. The Bible says, blessed are those who set their pilgrimage towards the house of God. In other words, we're not just moving, we're moving in the right direction. We're not just walking, we're walking in the right direction. We're not just busy, we're busy doing the right things. And we've set our heart on the house of God. And because of that, we're going from strength to strength in the name of Jesus. I believe our life is moving forward as long as we don't settle for what has always been. David knew he was in a moment in time that could change everything. That David could transition from a farmer's kid to a king. But he knew that he could not go back to his father's sheep. He knew that this was going to take courage. That he was going to have to take a step forward. That he was going to have to put his eyes on the future. A commitment to his own future above all else. David was in an open 
door moment where he could walk into everything God had for him, but it was gonna take a commitment to the future. And friend, the same is true for you and for me. We are in 2019, but friend, it is one thing to enter a year. It is another thing to possess a year. And I believe God has some things for you to possess this year in Jesus' name. Give me one amen, I'll keep preaching, I'll keep preaching. Number one, number one, we must be more committed to the future than to the past. David put on Saul's armor and he said, I'm not used to these. David said, I understand, Saul, this is how it's always been, but I'm not used to these. I understand this is how you would normally go out to battle. That's how it was done in the past, but I'm more committed to my future and I'm more committed to the way the Lord is about to do it than the way it's always been done. The Bible said Saul was head and shoulders above his companions. In other words, Saul was tall. If, if the average height would have been 5'5", five, five, Saul was 6'5". If you could just imagine a grown 6'5 foot man uh, giving his armor, giving his suit to a 5'5 five, five teenager. Friend, it wasn't going to fit. It was going to be a mess. David would have been dead in seconds. Imagine David wobbling up to Goliath. It would have never worked. David had to be more committed to the future than to the way it's always been done. Saul said, yeah, but this is how it's always been done. You get a sword and you get, and you get a shield and you get some armor and you put on a helmet. This is how it's always been. Jabin, this is how it's always been done. But just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean it's about to be done that way. Friend, what do you talk more about, your future or your past? What do you think about more, your future or your past? What's taking up more emotional energy, your future or your past? Friend, you're going to have to become more committed to your future than your past. On, on, on your phone right now, I guarantee, not because I'm a prophet, but just because I'm a human like you. On your phone right now, you have more pictures of past experiences than of where you're going in your future. Most of you would not have dream pictures on your phone the home you want to live in, the car you want to drive. Now, I know you're grateful for your car that's literally run on gasoline, prayer, fasting, and <laughs> held together by Christian bumper stickers. I, I know you're grateful for it, but, but do you know the kind of car you want to drive? Do you know the kind of living room you want to live in? Do you know the couch you want to sit on that doesn't, that doesn't screw up your spine every time you sit on it? Come on, somebody. <laughs> do you know the kind of person you want to date? Now, don't go taking pictures of people in church. <laughs> Creep. <laughs> Pull out some iPhone 1. Come on, somebody, it's that big. You're like, hey. Because <laughs> it's that kind of guy that would do it. Anyway, uh, uh, but, but do you have a picture of who you want to marry? Do you, have, do you have goals that you've set? Does, does your phone represent the past or your future? Does your life represent the past or the future? Because if your emotional energy is being spent on the past and not the future, you're going to miss your moment. Blockbuster. Who would have ever thought, are there any 80s children in here that on a Friday night, you turned up, you went to Sonic, you got you a cherry limeade, and then you went into Blockbuster like you were something. Pinky out with that Route 44 cherry limeade feeling fresh and fly. 
picking out the movie of your choice. Who would have ever thought Blockbuster would go away? But then these little red boxes started showing up all over the city. Come on, somebody. And now red boxes are obsolete because now it's Netflix. And before you know it, Netflix will be obsolete and it'll be replaced with something else. What's my point? My point is they, were, they, they said, well, this is how it's always been done. But how it's always been done isn't working anymore. You, you have to be more committed to your future. Your marriage is only going to work if you're more committed to your future than your past. Your business is only going to prosper if you're more committed to the future than your past. What's always made you money might not make you money in the future. You're going to have to get creative. Flyers don't work anymore. You're going to have to learn online marketing. And then what will happen is online marketing will get so oversaturated, flyers will be cool again. But right now they're not. You're like, dang it, I just put a flyer on every car outside. It's, it's litter. You just made the world worse. Rel- relationships only move forward this way. You're going to have to be committed to the future. Our church, let me, let me say something about this church. And this is the younger service of the day because we're only doing three mornings. So most of you would probably be young, but, I, but I'll say it anyway because, you, you know, you can be young but have an old spirit. And that's not a good thing. I'm talking about you can be young, but be old and ugh. I'm not talking about mature. You're like, I have an old soul. Okay, that's cute. But as a church, as a church, we will always be more loyal to the future than to the past. Our loyalty is tied to where God's taking us, not where we've been. Now, if you are older, this shouldn't make you nervous because old is a spirit. You can be old and have a young spirit and be fired up about life and be excited and be energetic and be pumped about what God's doing. And you can be young and be old and grumpy and you're 20 and you're tired. Let me teach you about tired. Have a kid and work a full-time job. You know that people who are tired are always working part-time? You're not working enough. It's just a little thing for you. No, for real, you... You work full-time, you, you find more energy. You find more in the bank that you didn't know was there. Okay, so, I'm serious. It, <laughs> Tori, am I like, just, I'm in a fighting mood. I'm already mad at Tom Brady, because I'm like, if they win, I'm just gonna, I'm just already mad that the Patriots might win. I'm like already in a bad mood about it. You don't need another ring. <sighs> okay. He should just retire, yeah. Isn't he like 80? What is he on? What is he taking? That's what I want to know. We're testing him after the Super Bowl. Um, okay, okay, okay. My, my, my point is, like, like, let me just say some things that, as a church, we're always going to be more loyal to the future. So we're about to buy some new lights for the church and, and some little fancy mover thingies, thingies, and, uh, and some haze and stuff like that. And you know what? Don't get an old spirit and, and sit there with your arms folded and go, this looks like a club. <laughs> My first question is, how do you know? <laughs> Miss Spiritual, <laughs> this looks like a bar. When was the last time you were there? Well, I, uh, <laughs> I liked how it was in the school when it was just real simple. Yeah, you weren't at setup. You weren't at teardown. You know how many prayer warriors told me we need more prayer in church? We need to pray more at church. And they did, not one of those prayer warriors showed up to a Wednesday night. 
Not one. We need to open up the heavens. We need to, we need to bind it loose. We need to cast out demons. There's a spirit in Vegas. Cool, we're gonna have four Wednesday night prayer meetings in a row. I got kids stuff. I got stuff to do. I got, okay, wow, okay, prayer warrior. We are not catering to that person. We had a person complain about our worship. They said it's junk food. They said it's like popcorn and, and cotton candy. It's not, it's not real, you know? And so I, I wrote back, I was super sweet. Y'all would be proud of me. And I said, I said, oh, we, we love you. God bless you. And I bet there's a hundred churches that you would love in our city that have, you know, real steak worship, protein worship. I don't know what they wanted, hot junk food. Keith, I don't know, protein powder worship. They ah! work out, sorry, I was judging you, but... <laughs> I'm looking for that creatine praise. Okay, so, so they said it's junk food because, it, you know, it's too, it's too happy, clappy, and da-da-da, and it's too, and, and you know what? But the reality is, and I love that person, whoever they are, but we're really not trying to reach that person. We're, we're, really, we're not building our church on people who have enough time to go on Instagram and complain with their private account. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, we're not catering to that person. We're catering to the person that's never walked into church, and they walk in and they go, this is pretty cool. This isn't what I expected. This is light. This is fun. This is beautiful. This is, this is the house of God. This is magnificent. The worship is beautiful. The, 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 the band is incredible. The vocals are awesome. There's something, this is lifting my spirit. I, I don't, they don't know to call it the anointing, but they just feel something light in the room. It's the presence of God. It's excellent. So we're, we're, not, doing, we're not doing lights for, for the saints that have enough time to complain anyway. We're doing lights for those who do not know Jesus yet and already have a mindset of what church is going to be. And we want to we want to break that. We want to break that box so when they come in they go, "Wow, this is this is actually enjoyable. I don't understand everything they're talking about or singing about. I don't understand everything the preacher's doing, but I, but I like how I feel and I like the love that I feel and I like how people are nice to me. We're we're more we're more loyal to that than we are to the past. Does that make sense? And so if you're older, we need you. So let me talk to the old people real quick. What's old? Well, I'm 35, so 35 and up. <laughs> us, us old people, we need, to have a young, we need to have a young spirit and a mature spirit. Here's what I find from older people when they talk to me. They, they just want to know that I love Jesus, I love my family, and I, and I take the Bible seriously, and I do. And they're like, we're cool. We don't care if you wear ripped jeans, skinny jeans. We don't care what you do. Just take the Bible seriously. Take your family seriously. Take God seriously. And I do. And so that's, I'm looking for older people who are mature and have a young heart that say, we are in this for the next generation. That is what we need. And, and I'm not just talking about we need your finances. It's not about that. We need your wisdom. We need your passion for the word of God. We need 40 years of scriptural memorization. We need, we need prayers that, have, that you've been praying for 20 years. We need, we need marriages that have gone through hell and back and can help younger people. We need parents that have raised infants and toddlers and teens and 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and, and have, have grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We need, we need your voice. We need, we need your maturity. We need your depth. We need your prayers. We need your worship. We need your sound. We need your song. We need you. This is not a young church for young people. This is a church for people. Yes. And, 
And, and the kind of church we're building takes maturity from everybody because we're not a white church, we're not a black church, we're not a Hispanic church or an Asian church, we're not an old church or a young church. That means everybody has to compromise because it means I can't hit every political topic. Because if you're in a white church, you just preach to, you know the majority of the people are going to be white Republicans, so you can just do whatever you want and you'll get standing ovations. <laughs> And if you're a black church, you just preach to the Democrats, right? Is this not, oh, y'all getting quiet on me, huh? Because y'all going to be stuck up, huh? And if you're in a Hispanic church, you just, you know, you just talk about, ah, and you just, <laughs> I was in Espanol, ay Dios mío. And so you come to a church like this, and, and we stay away from politics because we're trying to reach. Because y'all watching your news station anyway, so y'all know what you like anyway. So... We're trying to reach a, a multitude of people. And so the compromise is, well, why didn't he talk about that? Because we can't hit everything. Because I'm not hitting a political base every Sunday. We're actually, we're actually trying to be all things to all men that some might come to the gospel. You got to know this is true. And, and, it, and, it, and to the young people, it might be too quiet. To the old people, it might be too loud. And to the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, there, everyone has to compromise because we're trying to look like the kingdom yes. and not like our race yes. or our political party or our age. We're trying to look like what heaven's going to look like. And that means it's going to take maturity from every person in the room to go, well, he didn't hit that news cycle this week or he didn't touch on that thing this week. But I understand what preacher's trying to do. He's actually just trying to preach the word. Yeah. And I'm not judging guys who decide to go for one thing. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying our mandate's different. Okay, okay. So look what Acts says. Acts chapter 2 says this. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What does that mean? Leave that up for a second. Let me tell you what that means. Well, by the way, first it says sons and daughters will prophesy. That means the call of ministries on men and women. So let me offend those people really quick too. <laughs> Women can be pastors, okay? Amen. Anything a man can do, a woman can do better, faster, smarter, and for less money. And so, oh, it's true. Women are, I'm married to one. They're awesome. They're incredible. Uh, so, but, but I digress. I'll, I'll, I'll offend that group later. Right now, I just want to talk about young men will see visions. The church should be a place where young men come in and they go, I'm getting a vision for my life. I'm getting a vision for my merits. I'm getting a vision for my children. I'm getting a vision for my money. I'm getting a vision for my business. I'm getting a vision for my personal life. I'm getting a vision for what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. It's a vision. But then the older people, the old men, old women, they come in and they go, this is a dream come true. My kids are getting saved. My grandbabies are coming to Jesus. I, my great grandbabies are getting dedicated to the Lord. There's a, there's a house that reaches my family. And so, so it's, a, it's a vision center for the young and it's a dream fulfiller for the old. That's what God wants to do in our church, but it's gonna take all of us being more loyal to the future than to our past. And so here's what we're after. We're after Psalm 102 verse 18. Let this be recorded to future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. Let me tell you why we're doing everything we're doing. We're doing it for a generation that isn't even born yet. We're doing it for people who are not even born again yet. Why do we tithe for a generation that's yet to be born? 
Why do we sow sacrificially for a whole group of people that don't even know Jesus yet? Why do we, why do we give an altar call every Sunday? Because we're, we're after people giving their lives to Christ every week. We're not just going, oh, there's probably a lot of Christians in here. There's probably not any lost people. No, every week, I've, I've, whether, whether there is a small little group at the 9 a.m. or I'm preaching to, to the packed services, it doesn't matter. Every week an altar call goes out. Why? We always get people because we're doing this for a generation yet to be born. We're doing this for your kids that don't know Jesus yet. We're doing this for the teenager that says right now they're an atheist or an agnostic or they don't know what they believe about God. We're doing all of this for the next generation. We're everything. So whether, whether you're 20 or whether you're 120, our mission is there is a future generation in the wings that is waiting on our obedience and they're waiting on our loyalty to them and our loyalty to their future. And that's going to take us out of our comfort zone because it's not always the music we like. It's not always the volume we like. It's not always the expression we like. It's not always the political things that we like, but what it is, is it is a radical loyalty to something bigger than ourselves and to a generation that is still in, waiting in the wings on our obedience. And we live from that place. We preach from that place. We pray from that place. We seek God from that place. We go after our destiny from that place, knowing that we are creating future blessing for those yet to come. Can you say Amen. And so our personal commitment to our future is also a corporate commitment to our future. Number two, new life, new clothes. And all the women said amen. amen. New clothes. Y'all better buy your clothes before Financial Peace University starts because ain't nobody going to be spending money once you go through that class. You're going to be on a budget. So you better go do what you got to do. <laughs> Saul, Saul says, David, I need you to wear this armor if you're going to go out. And David said, verse 39, I can't go in these. I can't go in these. I can't go. I can't go where God's calling me to go in your armor. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 says that God rejected Saul. Saul had disobeyed God. He chose sacrifice instead of obedience. He chose pride instead of humility. He turned his heart against the Lord and God rejected him as king. And so Saul now, 1 Samuel 16, 1, has been rejected by God. David now is the new anointed by God. Listen, on the screen, watch this. What God had rejected is now trying to clothe what God has anointed. You're anointed, but you have to reject what God has rejected. You can't, you can't wear what you've been wearing and go where God is taking you. See, my future requires different armor, different clothing. How many know I'm not talking about these clothes, right? Yeah, I'm talking about a different attitude, a different prayer life, a different work ethic, a different level of commitment, a different level of integrity. Many of you want a new 2019. You want a better 2019 than 18. But if the year's going to be different, you're going to have to be different. 19 will look exactly like 18 unless you change your clothes. 
unless you reject Saul's armor, unless you reject the things that God is calling you to remove yourself from, unless you level up, unless you step up, unless you glow up, unless you make a personal commitment to go to a new level. David said, Saul, I know where I'm going and I can't go there in your armor. And friend, I know where you're going and you're not gonna be able to go there with that attitude. You're not gonna be able to go there with a victim mentality. You're not gonna be able to go there on, on, on a prayerless life. You're not gonna be able to go there if you never read your word. You're not gonna be able to go there if you don't start honoring people and loving people. You're not gonna be able to go there unless you start rejecting the thing that God has rejected because let me tell you where the enemy wants you. If the devil can't send you to hell, he will send you to heaven bound up. I'm just going to stare for a second at that because that will, that will change your life. You're anointed. You're going to heaven. And so if the enemy can't send you to hell, he'll just send you to heaven bound up carrying something you were never supposed to carry. And so you're going to heaven, but you're going tired. You're going burnt out. You're going grumpy. You're going, you don't love people anymore. You don't love Jesus anymore. You tolerate God's word instead of honor God's word. You have to instead of you want to. You're, 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 you're constantly on the edge of a breakdown. Why? Because you're carrying something God never called you to carry. And until you let it go, and friend, you'll never inherit the promise that God has for you with Saul's armor on. If you ever want to have the speed and agility to take on Goliath, you're going to have to take off Saul's armor. So before you take down Goliath, you have to take off Saul's armor. And I know this is, I know this is a little intense. I know it's a little radical. But listen, God has a radical blessing for you. <laughs> God has a radical future for you. God has amazing things in store for you, but it's going to take some radical obedience and it's going to take, it's going to take a new mindset. It's going to take a new attitude. It's going to take some new things. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 12:1 that we are to take off the weight and sin that so easily besets us. Weight and sin, weight and sin. Not all weights are sin, but all weights become sin if we don't deal with them. What begins as a weight turns eventually into a sin. And you have to get ruthless about the things that the enemy is trying to put on you that are going to slow you down. Not everything's a weight, but it will become that if you don't check it. Weight's like just, a, just kind of a casual view of God, just eh, kind of whatever. Eventually, you'll hate God. Like you will, you'll, you'll actually, you'll, you, will, you will refuse to obey God's word. Why? Because you just, you just see him as an option. It's, it's not a sin at first, but it's just a weight. A weight like, I mean, we could just keep going on and on and on. But listen, you're going to have to get so dedicated to where God's taking you. So loyal to the future that is in your heart that you refuse to carry anything that God has not asked you to carry. We cannot inherit promise with Saul's armor. So it's time for new clothes. It's time for new attitudes. It's time for a new prayer life. It's time to go after God like we never have before if we want to receive everything that he has for us. One more, one more, one more. Number three. 
And keys can come up. Number three, beware of lovers. <laughs> beware of lovers. Uh, when, I, when I say lovers, I'm, I'm saying in contradiction to haters. Okay. Saul loved David. Loved him. Saul didn't hate David until David slayed Goliath. Once David slayed Goliath, what happened was is that Saul got jealous because the girls started singing this song about David. It was on all the radio stations. They started singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. They were, they were, I mean, they were loving David. Saul got jealous. Saul began to hate David. And I'm not preaching about haters right now, but just so you know, a hater is someone who extremely loves you and extremely hates you at the same time. That's what a hater is. They can't, they can't deal with the emotion they're feeling for you. They don't necessarily want harm for you. They just don't want good for you. That's a hater. But I'm not preaching about haters, so we got to keep moving. I'm talking about lovers. Saul loved David. Therefore, he put his armor on him. But Saul loved David so much that he was afraid to see David take a risk. You gotta beware of people, they love you so much they can no longer see the hand of God on you. <laughs> I remember watching a TV preacher when I was a kid, his name was Robert Schuler, and he preached in this great thing in California called the Crystal Cathedral. And Robert looked right into the camera and he said, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I thought, man, that's true, thank God. But I also found out that people love me and have a wonderful plan for my life. Let me fill you in a little secret. It's just not God's plan. <laughs> they love you so much, it's actually from a place of fear. And therefore, they cannot release you to take a risk and obey God and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Parents, by the way, if your kids are wanting to take some kind of risk or something you wouldn't necessarily do. I mean, encourage them as good as you can. But I'm talking about with adult children, but sometimes you actually have to just give them to God. And say, God, you love my kid more than I do. So I'm gonna trust you. And that's what the father did with the prodigal son. He went out every day waiting for his son to come back, but he didn't chase his son because he would have chased him away. And sometimes you got to know when to just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm giving this to you and I'm giving this kid to you. Well, let me get back. The, there are people that they love you. But if you're not careful, they'll decide your destiny for you and no one can decide your destiny for you. You have to make that decision. My parents weren't crazy about me marrying Shannon. But I'm not married to my parents. I had to marry who I wanted to marry. Because I'm grown. <laughs> I, I think if you can get the blessing of your parents on who to marry, man, you should do it with all your heart. But sometimes they just love you too much to think anyone else could love you. All the parents are nervous for your kids. Relax. 
Because they're never going to be good enough for you. That's, that's part of it. You know what I'm saying? That, that son-in-law or daughter-in-law, they're never going to be good enough for your, for your baby. You've got to trust God. Now, on the flip side, her parents love me. But I was this preacher, you know. You know, they were like, he's a man of God. So they, you know. So I have to graciously, gently hand back the armor. And go, I know you love me. But I actually have a sling and a staff and some, and some rocks. I'm going to do this different than you did it. And I know you can't see it or appreciate it yet. But I got to obey God. Sometimes you just have to be, you, you, can, you can honor what was, but never be bound to what was. I can honor a relationship and not be bound to it. I can honor what that person is trying to say and then not be limited by it. Because I'm more loyal to my future. I'm more loyal to, I'm more loyal to my baby than to my mama. You go, are you pointing at Shannon or Goldie? Both. Feel a little something, something. So, Father, give us the courage and the faith to reject Saul's armor and give us the courage and the faith to pick up that staff and to pick up that sling and stone and boldly run after that giant in the name of Jesus.